Matthew chapter 16 and like I said in the kids talk, I'm going to be talking about blind spots and we're going to be talking about two groups of people who are a bit blind, the Pharisees and the disciples and I want to explore what that may mean for us. But let's put ourselves in the context here, Matthew 16 The Pharisees and Sadducees come to Jesus. Uh, They come to him because he's come across to Magadan where I think he's been coming to get some supplies. Uh, He's been on the other side of the the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Gentile area. And now he comes across to Magadan to get, in my view, get some supplies really briefly. and And he turns up... And as soon as he hits the shore, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are there, which is interesting because the fact that they're working together, it would be hard. We don't really have anything as extreme as this. It would be like Labor and Liberal working together, except much harder to do. And so it would be that that kind of hard to get happening. Uh, So it's it's a big deal. So... What it means is they are absolutely sure of their position and they come to test him. The word it uses there for the word test uh, is the same as the way, uh, uh, the the same word for Satan testing Jesus early on in his ministry. He goes into the, the wilderness and the three temptations in the wilderness of Jesus, same word. In some ways, it could be say, said that the Pharisees and Sadducees are putting Jesus on trial. The Pharisees and Sadducees are putting Jesus on trial. Um, Steve, I don't know if it's possible to put the house lights on so people can read the paper Bibles. Is it? Um, so, oh, and let there be light, and there was. Um, what, what, one of the things up front is... it's really important to understand the Pharisees and Sadducees had devoted themselves to God's God's word. They had lived this. This is their whole lifestyle. But the object that they had been devoting themselves is here in the form of the Son of God and they don't see it because they're so convinced about the way they are currently seeing things. Blind spots are most dangerous when you're sure you're seeing. Blind spots are most dangerous when you are sure you're seeing. Just as this week, it was a little dangerous for me to cross into that lane, uh, I, I was pretty sure I was right. The problem is you can never see what you can't see. And if you're sure the way you are seeing things is right, then you're in dangerous territory, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees were in dangerous territory. Now, Jesus tells them, you guys, it's happening here in front of your face and you just don't know how to read it. He says, we we teach our kids nursery rhymes and our version of the same nursery rhyme is read in the morning shepherd's warning, read in the night, shepherd's delight. Have you heard that before? So that same nursery rhyme has been passed down through millennia in different versions. And, and what Jesus is saying is, you don't know how to read the signs of the times. 
that God is at work in front of you. History is unfolding in front of you, but you are blind because you are sure that the way you are seeing the world is the way the world actually is. In fact, he says, you don't know how to read the signs of the times. And see, Prince came out with a song called Signs of the Times back in the, I think it was late, early 90s, something like that. And uh, six years ago, uh, Harry Styles had his breakthrough hit called Signs of the Times. Uh, he said, this is the lyrics from Harry Styles' song, he said, just stop your crying, it's a sign of the times. Welcome to the final show, hope you're wearing your best clothes, you can't bribe the door on your way to the sky. You look pretty good down here, but you ain't really good. If we never learn, we've been here before, why are we always stuck and running from the bullets. That's Harry Styles' attempt to name what the signs of the times are. And he's saying that one of the signs of the times is people are all getting upset. Another sign of the times is we keep running away from bullets, so we're always under attack. What would you say the signs of the times are? If Jesus is telling the disciples off, or the Pharisees off, for not seeing the signs of the times, I, I do think we're living in fairly unique times. And... One of the things as being a follower of Jesus is we trust that it's all going to be okay and God has history in the palm of his hand and God is at work. But there are things that tell you what God cares about or what the sign of the times are. I'm going to take a moment and if you're technologically literate and you're sitting near people who aren't so excited about technology, I wonder if you could give them a hand here. I'm going to throw a slide up. A Mentimeter, and with a QR code on it, and there is, you can go to Mentimeter. What we'd like you to do is uh, answer the question. Isn't that interesting? You see the words coming up. Democracy under threat. But you can see the, the big ones in the middle. What happens with a word cloud is the ones that most people agree on get bigger. The ones that are repeated get bigger. So we've had 38 responses so far. Jesus was frustrated with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they couldn't read the signs of the times. What, one of the things that's nice about being a follower of Jesus is we don't have to get stressed about what's going on. Because it's all under control. It's in God's hands. One of my uh, heroes is a man by the name of Dallas Willard and someone asked him, if you were to sum up Jesus with one word, what word would you use? And he thought about it and he said, relaxed. Jesus always had time to have it go to a party or go fishing. He, he didn't panic. Can we just have another look at those signs of the times, Steve? Is that, or Jess? There's plenty of there... If you don't have God, there's plenty there to get worried about, isn't there? And a lot of it's serious, a lot of it does tell us about the signs of the times. It's also important as followers of Jesus not to pretend things aren't happening. He also tells the Pharisees off for not caring about justice, mercy and faithfulness, for not actually caring about what's happening around them. But I think it's, it's essential for us to see and understand the signs of the times. That's going to be up for the next few days. So you can go back and if you on the sermon notes in version, you can actually see the results of that. I, 
I think it's important for us to be sensitized to what's actually happening and to watch for blind spots. And I think one of the dangers is sometimes religion that is not centered on God but centered on practices and trying to earn brownie points with God can cause blind spots where you avoid the reality of what's happening. Jesus didn't avoid reality. He stepped right into it. He just really relaxed about it because he was the son of God and, it, and history was in God's hands. So let's look at verse 4. They come to him, test, test, trying to test him and say, look, give us a sign. And I mean, he must be going, come on, guys. You know, what, what more do you want? I've been healing the blind, helping the lame walk. I've been uh, helping the sick, you know, uh, raise Lazarus from the dead. What, what else do you want? Uh, and he, he actually says, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. One of the dangers is we can want to put ourselves over God and say, God, prove to me that you're God. If God is accountable to you, then you're actually God and the world is very scary. God is not accountable to you. God is bigger than you. And it is da- you're in dangerous territory when you're saying to God, prove yourself to me. And Jesus says... I'm not going to give you a sign. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, which is exactly what he said a few chapters earlier. And the sign of Jonah, he said a few chapters earlier, is, you know, the Son of Man is going to go into the ground and come back three days later. I'm the sign, he says. You're looking for a sign? I'm the sign. And ultimately, Jesus stands in the middle of history in the foreground and It's important to look at all those words we had up on the word cloud through the lens of Jesus. Because it's through the lens of Jesus that stuff starts to make sense. The Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't see who Jesus was and what he meant. And so Jesus says, okay, uh, the... the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah and then he leaves them and goes away. What he's he's saying is at three levels, I am the sign. He's saying that from now on, I'm now going to be preparing for the cross and I'm no longer be going to teach in your synagogues and and trying to convince you Jewish people what's going on anymore. We're entering, he's marking a new phase of his ministry. Uh, And... He's also saying, in all this, he's saying, God is at work in the world, and you can see his handiwork in the world. Now, Jesus goes, gets the boys back into the boat and goes back across the lake to the Gentile side, and when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Like I said, this is why I think... This and the story after is why I think Jesus had actually gone across to Magadan to get, go to the 7-Eleven and get some su- supplies. Uh, because he's about to take them on a big walk up to uh, Caesarea Philippi where one of the most momentous things in human history begins to unfold uh, at the foot of this massive statue to Caesar. We will tell you more about next week. But he's about, so he's about to take them on this big walk They're in the boat. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples look at each other and go, oh, the bread. We forgot the bread. And Jesus looks at them and says, oh, guys, 
you're just missing the point. You don't... He actually says, oh, you of little faith, doesn't he? Last week, we looked at a woman of great faith, this Canaanite woman, who I wrongly said was the only person who was called having great faith, that Jesus said had great faith. The other person uh, was the centurion, both of whom were not Jewish. The two people Jesus says have great faith are people who aren't even Jewish, but are people who see who Jesus is and live on the basis of that reality and bring their challenges to him. Here he's saying to disciples, just like he said to Peter as he started to sleep, he said, you have little faith. And what what the, the challenge for all of us here is the disciples are so obsessed with their current, the current needs in front of them, the, the fact that they don't know where the next lunch is coming from, that they can't hear or see Jesus. They are blind. They're blind. And this is what Jesus taught will be one of the major reasons people get taken away from the kingdom of God. He says, he, he tells the story of the parable of the sower and there are three bits of seed. That go, one seed falls on rocky ground and just bounces off. The people are not getting here. One seed bounces on, uh, well, one seed sort of bounces on the pavement. The next one's on rocky ground. The next one bounces, uh, and the, the, in the rocky ground it goes down, but it only goes really shallow. And so it's like a really emotional response to who Jesus is. And so people who have like a kind of faith that's just based on emotions... We'll, we'll, we'll give up as soon as the emotional world gets difficult. But Jesus said there's this third group, and I think this is where the disciples are right now, and this is the question I have for us. It's this. Jesus says, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth come in and crowd out the seed, the plant, and make it unfruitful. For the disciples, the worries of their life were so far, the worries about where lunch was going to come from, are so far in front of their face, they cannot hear what Jesus is saying. Do you ever find yourself in moments like that where the worries of your life are the, the, are the agenda of your life? Jesus says we are to seek first the kingdom and not worry about stuff. When stuff sets the agenda, when your food sets the agenda, you will be blind. It'll be a blind spot and you won't be able to see what God's actually doing. Now, what Jesus is trying to help them hear and understand is one of the biggest questions of your life is, What is the yeast in your life? What what are you allowing to influence you? He's saying, watch out for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These teachers of religion that are not teaching you the truth. And we've got to watch out for, there are lots of teachers of religion. feels like 
at the moment, if you look at social media, there's all kinds of people with all kinds of opinions. And you can go down Christian rabbit holes. Where, and, and Jesus actually gives us a simple guide for how do you discern the, the rabbit holes from the teachers that you can trust. When he says to the disciples, don't let anybody tell you that you're, you're a teacher because you have one teacher. You have one Messiah, you have one Father. So all the teachers you can trust are not teaching you how to uncode, you know, secret codes from the last reign of some, you know, whatever. They're not teaching you the seven steps to get healthy and happy and they're not being, they're not trying to get the focus on themselves. The teachers you can trust are the ones that are moving out of the spotlight and pointing the spotlight at Jesus. The teachers you can trust are the ones that point you to Jesus and not to themselves. They don't pretend to have secret knowledge that nobody else has. They're the ones that point you to Jesus. And it's really important to get this clear because there's going to be all kinds of weird teaching coming out. Uh, the more we get into social media, the more anybody with a wacky idea can set up a channel and, and get following of all kinds of things. And, and it's really important to have a grid. You need to have a grid as you listen to me. I'm not infallible. Your task is to have a grid that says, is what Matt's saying pointing me to Jesus or pointing me away from Jesus? And you need to have that same grid for every person in your life. That's what Jesus is saying about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But something has also changed since then. We've separated the world into sacred and secular and so at Jesus' time, the, the main teachers of ideas were religious people and they were the ones who were most likely, likely to influence uh, the disciples away. But these days, the real issues are not so much your, your religious people who have got wacky religious ideas. The real issues are the people who want to take your attention from Jesus and put it onto other stuff and they won't even call it religion. The forces that want to shape you as followers of something else other than Jesus, whether it be money or education or family or consumerism, there are all kinds of messages that want to set you up to shape you as followers of somebody else, to love something else apart from Jesus. There's a book I really want to encourage you to, to get onto. It's by a man by the name of James K.A. Smith. He says, you are what you love. And there are two insights. It's a, there's a long quote in the sermon notes there that you can have a look at. But one of the things he says, there's two things you've got to get used to. One thing is that most of your decision-making happens before you even have a thought. Most of your decision-making happens before you even have a thought. We tend to think that we can think our way forward. But he says what is actually the challenge for us is there's this unconscious part of who you are, which is where your actual beliefs are. And he says we need to understand that those beliefs are being shaped all the time by the experiences we have. Just as the church is trying to, healthy churches are trying to shape you as followers of Jesus and point you to Jesus, you go to a shopping centre, it is trying to shape you as a follower of something else. 
You watch TV, it is trying to shape you. Unambiguously, the advertising industry is a shaping industry. They very will cl clearly tell you they are trying to create wants and needs. I studied marketing here at the University of Tassie. Marketing people are very clear. They are trying to create wants and needs. They're trying to do it beyond rationality. They're trying to trigger emotions. They're not trying to sit, sit you down and say, here's the seven reasons why you should drink Coke. No, they know it's not rational. They want to associate Coke with joy and fun times and friends and you won't even be conscious of it but you'll, you will want, if you want joy, fun times and friends, you'll start drinking Coke, which is crazy. And we think, this is where we in the Christian church get so messed up, we think we've got to argue people into the kingdom. Problem is, it was never about a rational argument to start with. It is not about the rational side of things. Your beliefs are shaped way before you have thoughts. And that's why there's a useful quote in there, but the central and most important question of your life is, what do you love? What do you love? Really? Come to church and we sing about loving Jesus. What you love is the source of your priorities. The thing you love the most sets your priorities the most. And the thing you love the most, if it's not God, is an idol. I, what Jesus was saying, and I think he's right, that for many people, the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth end up shaping our loves. And we love the promise of a worry-free life more than we love God. We can love money more than we love Jesus. We can love our family more than we love Jesus. We can love computer games more than we love Jesus. We can love music more than we love Jesus. We can love a sense of security or we can love the idea that people would like us or the avoidance of conflict. We can love all kinds of things more than we love Jesus. And the central question of our lives is what do we love? Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And the challenge you have is you can't see what you can't see. And because most of our blind spots are precognitive, you need help. You don't fully understand who Jesus is and there are things about your life, there are loves you have that have been so deeply ingrained that take you away from who Jesus is that you, you simply cannot see or do it on your own. And the truth is you were never meant to. Jesus is the ultimate source of life. And too many of us go looking for life in all the wrong places. But it is also true he set up a church and the idea is you need friends. I 
I, I really appreciate the opportunity to meet with a bunch of mates every Wednesday morning. And I'm just going to chuck up a QR code now on this screen. I, I want to challenge you. We've got this week for you a brand new bookmark. We like our bookmarks here at Citywide. The, 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 the intent of this bookmark is to give a framework for a kingdom cell. Now, I know some people will hear me talk about kingdom cells and go, you know, that's nice for you. It's not so easy to get into a kingdom cell. And even if I am in a kingdom cell, I don't know if I want to be in a kingdom cell because it's, you know, it can sometimes be frustrating. And, and just because you're in a kingdom cell doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to be focused on the kingdom. But like I was showing with Micah today, there are some things you cannot see and you need people who can see things differently to you. The reason this QR code's up here is we want to encourage you to find yourself in a group of three or four other people, two or three, three or four, uh, who are at a similar stage to you and who are called similarly to you. And to be asking these kinds of questions, like, what's actually been happening this week? How are you going, really? <laughs> and are there any things that are working in terms of letting God take charge? Or is anything getting in the road of letting God take charge of your life? And actually being with people who see the world differently to you. One of the fundamental understandings is Jesus is saying you are going to be shaped there's going to be all kinds of people wanting to come and influence you and you need friends who are going to influence you towards Jesus and away from your blind spots because you cannot currently see your blind spots no matter how confident you are I think we need kingdom cells and we also need church healthy churches in a healthy church, we've got people from all kinds of different backgrounds and it's impossible to really be prejudiced because you have people who are old and young, black and white, rich and poor, from all kinds of different backgrounds. And when we come together, the idea of you know, stereotyping doesn't work because you know someone who is from whatever thing you're talking about. Does it make sense? You want, we want to come together at, at a church family at the foot of the cross and be reminded that Jesus is the centre of the universe and we're not. That's what Sunday mornings is about. But the, then you need this fellowship with kingdom cells, with people who are, a bit, who are called similarly to you, who live in a similar world to you. See, it's not possible for me as a pastor to tell Anne Knibber how to run a uh, primary school, like a, a kindergarten class. I would have no clue. Or it's not possible for me to tell Gus how to sort out you know, a dam somewhere or to tell Cain about a construction business. But there are other people who, who live in that world. And you need people who live in your world a bit, who can understand what it means to... and have fellowship, and what does it mean to let Jesus be in charge of that. So I think Jesus is asking the disciples... He's trying, he says it three times. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah, be, beware of the crackpot religious teachers, but particularly... Beware of the forces that want to shape you to love other things than Jesus. I'm just going to pray and then the band again and come back home. Jesus, help us see the yeast. Help us see the things that are wanting to influence, away, influence us away from you. Sorry for the times where we just love other stuff more than we love you. And, 
And, and we as a church, we just want to follow you. We do. We acknowledge that all kinds of stuff comes in and there's just blind spots we have we don't see. Can you help each one of us, Jesus, find our, our way into the kind of fellowship where we can be honest with each other? The kind of fellowship where we can actually have fellowship and call each other out into kingdom cells. And can you also help us come together in worship and be reminded each week just who you are and how important you are? We, we acknowledge that we've been shaped by a world that says it's about us and individualism is a big part of probably our blind spots. Can you help us see past that? Can you help us see past consumerism and help us hear your heart for us, Jesus? We ask this in your name. Amen.